It's me. It's me. It's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws. And you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, he's got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter too, at VOC Nation. Why a hello and a howdy, we're so very glad to see you Cause we're getting kind of rowdy and we got a lot to say And we're gonna try and do our very best to entertain you And we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away That's pretty exciting, right Omega? Indeed! Yeah, right? HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting You will deal with that Atlas harshly Thank you, broke it And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio Hell in a Cell Radio Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hey, uh, gentlemen and ladies, not necessarily in that order. Uh, my name is Craig Lagans, and with me as always is my podcast wrestling tag team partner, Daniel Leslie Calachico, and we are here. That's not my real name, you bastard. I'm sorry, Dana Rebecca Calachico. Sorry, right, I'll take it. Uh, two uh, for another edition of HIAC Talk Radio. Uh, you can find us here each and every week talking about our favorite spectator sport. Now, pro wrestling, uh, if that is indeed what we're still calling it at this rate. Um, you can find me uh, anywhere on all social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter, at Craig Lagon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. And uh, Daniel, where can people follow you if oh, they so choose? Follow me on Dan Law, at DanLaw83 uh, on all social media platforms and YouTube. So if you miss something here, it'll be yeah. there. If you miss hearing it, you can see. Yeah. Uh, and who wouldn't want to see these gorgeous faces? Exactly. I'm talking in 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 Amber. Right in there. Amber, I'd get Roscoe, yeah. but he'd yell, he'd just be, look at me like asshole. You yeah. woke me up. <laughs> and Roscoe has a a uh, performance um, appearance yeah. fee that's very high. Yeah, very. I can't yeah. afford him anymore. Yeah. Well, the reason why I am doing the honors this week is because you know last week we had three weeks worth of wrestling story, and because of everything that uh, came up, came down. Uh, nerd herder. So yeah. now we're start with the wrestling, and uh, it's a big week in professional wrestling history. But the stuff that did happen has historic significance even to this day. Okay, 
So let's start. Uh, gentlemen and ladies, again, not necessarily in this order, we're going to go back to a time where territories rule professional wrestling, where there's wrestling in all 50 states, where you can get a plethora of different matches from different territories, from different promoters, from different wrestlers. There wasn't the monolith mega church police state of wrestling that there is now. Uh, this is back when titles were called belts. This is back when uh, medical facilities were called hospitals. And this is back when sports entertainment was professional wrestling. Uh, we're going to start um, October 9th, um, a, a date that was celebrated quite a bit on social media platforms. Um, it was the it, it would have been the 53rd birthday of my favorite wrestler at the time of his passing, and in my top 10 of greatest WWE superstars of all time. I'm not saying greatest wrestlers, I'm because I've gotten heat over this about playing the game about greatest WWE superstars. This man has always been in my top 10, and the reason I got heat because this man is in my top 10 and The Undertaker is not, and The Undertaker will never be out in my top 10. But um, happy belated 53rd birthday to Latino Heat, Eddie Guerrero. I, I know, before you finish your dissertation on the great mm -hmm. uh, Eddie Guerrero, I, I know every year we get to this day, we talk about him uh, and it's earned. Yeah. Um, there's not many wrestlers and I don't mean, you know, I'm tired of prefacing anything. If you take it the wrong way, it's not my problem. I'm not saying wrestler, there's no wrestler that that's good today. I'm saying there hasn't been a wrestler that has been that good in a very long time. There are very few. Yes. And um, there, very few that is, are a, a, a plus face and an A plus heel. It's just an incredible, yeah. Very. That's a good way of putting it. Any way, anything he did, any way he went, any angle he came from, or a mixture of both. You know, we talk about that last match he ever had, mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, spot with Mister Anderson, yeah, with the chair. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And pointing to Mr. Anderson, yeah. total face, total heel move. Yes. Um, it's just there. There are, are a few, but there are few wrestlers yeah. where you go back, and maybe this is in the um, shadow of his passing. Maybe I would argue it isn't, but maybe. Uh, where you go back and look at everything is almost damn flawless. Yeah. Period. Mm -hmm. And every year, uh, you either discover a match you saw live and forgotten, or people discover a new match of his that they hadn't seen ever and are just as amazed by him as they were when he was alive years ago. It's... Yeah incredible to, you can we could not talk about that man enough no ne never no. never ever ever and when i said i prefaced this at the beginning of the show about the stuff that happened this week in wrestling history that still resonates to this day i know you don't watch the current product dan but this past monday on monday night raw in a match between ricochet and um god the newest um cedric 
Alexander. Oh, Cedric Alexander. Yeah. Cedric Alexander is an amazing talent. So I hope this uh, echoes what you just said. (laughs) Well, the match started. The match, it had conditions. If uh, Ricochet won, the Hurt Business can no longer lay a hand on him. If Ricochet lost, he would join the Hurt Business. Gotcha. Uh Uh-oh. So referee goes down. Cedric, under orders from MVP, goes to pick, gets a chair. Okay. He slides and uh, he slides in it, or MVP slides the chair to uh, Cedric, but Ricochet intercepts it. So he picks up the chair and he looks for all intents and purposes that he's going to whack the crap out of Cedric Alexander. He sees the referee getting up, he slams this chair on this canvas, throws it to Cedric Alexander, and instead of falling flat like Eddie did, he did a Will Smith and Fresh Friends, and he (laughs) fell back. Referee came to, saw Cedric with the chair. He immediately and rang the bell. Ricochet wins by count by disqualification. And even selling the whole thing with Eddie as he was going up the ramp, going by and old and selling head again. Complete <laughs> tribute to Eddie Guerrero by Ricochet this past Monday. He mentioned it on Twitter. The announcers, Michael Cole even said it on Raw. Somewhere Eddie is smiling. So, yes. Going on 15 years ago, and the exact same spot that Eddie made famous was his last match with Mr. Anderson. That's so funny. I'm going to have to take – It's just to clarify, Craig, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not not watching it. Frankie Picard, what's going on, man? How you doing? Captain Picard. That's it. Yes. Yes, Captain Picard. How are you doing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, not that I'm not watching the current product. It's mm-hmm. just I took a break. Uh, I posted the other day, and this is Wrestling Historian, so I'm not going to go over it too much. Um, I tried to watch The Collective this weekend. Even bought the month from Independent Wrestling TV. And not going into any details. Mm-hmm. Uh not to personalize speaking out because thankfully it had nothing to do with me, uh, anybody I knew on that end of it. Mm-hmm. But there was something that happened with our company, Primetime Pro. Uh, feelings were hurt. Uh, lives, feelings were more than hurt. My feelings were hurt because it was uh, something that has affected me. And it was a bad, it's a bad thing. Of course, you're still smoking, Frankie. Absolutely. Every day you wake up. Every day you wake up. Nothing changes. You only get better. I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. Uh, but I, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I'm just taking a mental break from current wrestling. And the OCD, I explained a little bit last week how my brain works. Uh, if mm-hmm. I don't set a date, I can't do something. So yeah. I decided Halloween Havoc's going to be – not that I matter. I don't mean it like that, like I'm some big <laughs> – like it matters to anybody that I'm not watching. I'm saying personally for myself, because they're calling a Halloween havoc. I'm marking that date when I start watching live again, or trying to watch on rerun through DVR. I've been keeping track with the YouTube clips. Good. But now that you've uh-huh. mentioned this, I've mi- I've missed that. I'm going to go backwards and watch that episode. Um, that's cause that's awesome. Uh, what yeah. a tribute again. Uh, let's uh, off the top of our head. Uh, uh, what year was it? Ninety-seven. Ray Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Halloween Havoc, ninety-seven, right? Yeah, and when you say Halloween Havoc, that's immediately what I think of. 
and yeah. because both men will say that was their their best match, and Eddie will say that's the one match that he'll look at and say, "I wouldn't change a thing." You know, and that's can't it, argue with a, that. Yeah, from a twenty-five year career, you know the uh, the backflip DDT that Rey Mysterio did on Eddie. He's never done that move. He had never done that move before, and he's never done it since. He did in that one match with Eddie, and it was perfection. And he's never even tried it again um, because of he and Ray, Eddie and Ray had that in insane chemistry. Um, just like Eddie and D. Malenko did, just like Eddie and Chris Benoit did, you know, just like uh, Eddie and um, and uh, with the the tag team matches that Eddie and Chavo had against Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas, you know, absolute. That's like watching. That was for me. That was watching. That was like watching Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood against the Briscoes back in 1983. Uh, it, it you had four of the best workers in there at the time, and the two best tag teams in all of pro wrestling. But again, the and, but the common denominator is Eddie Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Any match against Dean Malenko? Yeah. You know, everybody looks at the, there's three matches in ECW that kind of defined ECW. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, because if we think of ECW, everyone automatically thinks uh, tables, ladders, chairs, barbed wire, blood. You know, but if it it wasn't the if it wasn't the Eddie Dean, it's what gave ECW credibility, and along with Ring Mysterio and Juventud and Psychosis and bringing Lucha Libre to a national audience in the United States hadn't been done before. I mean, look at it years later when ECW mm. was still running live on uh, WGTW late at night. Yeah. Those tapes were still promoting the Malenko-Guerrero stuff. Yeah. It's it's timeless. And like I said, no one has, has come close to matching that. Um, it will that, hold up or blow away most a, a lot of matches yeah. these days. A lot. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. So uh, happy belated 53rd birthday in Viva La Raza. Jesus, I mean, to, to when, you, when you say that, it's just like, yeah. oh, my God. It has been so long, quite frankly, since he's passed. Mm-hmm. And he would have been 53? Yep. He passed away right for his uh, 38th birthday. God damn it. Yeah. If you're lucky well, to live that long. I only got a yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're we're just like we're lucky that we had him. We're lucky we've had you for so long. Oh, thank you. Stop. I'll, I will stop right now. Yes, that's all. Um, that's all also, good, <laughs> on this same date, one of Eddie's great opponents, and um, I don't know if you saw the um, the the latest uh, Stone Cold uh, podcast. His guest was Kurt Angle, and he had some uh, choice words about um, the late Eddie Guerrero. Uh, they I, they had some some great matches as well, and they also had some uh, pull apart fights. Yeah, in locker room afterwards. But uh, Kurt still said he had nothing but love for for Eddie because he was like he was like a brother, you know, where you fight with your brother, but you know, they could still have a great match. Did they? Didn't Eddie kind of get get one up on him on a Greco Roman match? Like yeah. In the locker room or something, kind of like yeah. the Jericho getting one up on Big Goldberg at one point. Yeah, just on on one. It was, but it was it was one of their many. Um, and not not that there was a lot, but there was more than one time they got into a dust up, uh, in the locker room, 
um, after a match. You know, Eddie said one time he thought he was, Kurt was being too stiff, and Kurt said he wasn't. And they had a pull-apart brawl, and then they all talked and calmed down. They went back to the same locker room, and Eddie got right back in Kurt's face because, um, because you still, you know, though you're done, Eddie's like, no, I'm still mad. So, <laughs> but he, he, he loved Eddie. And anyway, I bring up Kurt Angle on this date, October 9, 2006, because that was a date that Kurt Angle debuted in TNA. Oh, that, I re, I remember being so shocked about that because they just put him on the magazine cover for the WWE magazine. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, nah, I ain't going to ECW. I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> just effed off and went and to I, a, I I included this in uh, the wrestling historian just because of, of the significance of it because TNA, now it wasn't the first time they had a former W, they had former WWE stars there. You know, the Dudley boys had already gone, but Kurt Angle was the biggest get, as it were, for TNA. And I, it didn't swing the pendulum as people would think, but still seeing Kurt Angle on a competing wrestling program was very big. Yeah. Uh, not the same as uh, Chris Jericho showing up in the AEW or... D- or Dean Ambrose or a uh, Rusev showing up on AEW now, but I don't think anything would have that type of significance uh, for AEW if someone from WWE. But Kurt Angle going to TNA, October 9, two thousand six, was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that was the internet was a buzz of that for days yeah. after days. <laughs> October 10th, 1980. Remember I said, Dan, about stuff that happened this week and still having repercussions to this day? Well, October 10th, 1980, in the Omni in Atlanta, there was a round-robin tournament to crown new Georgia Tag Team Champions. And the three teams involved in this round-robin tournament were the Assassins, Mr. Wrestling 1 and Mr. Wrestling 2, and the three-man team of the fabulous Freebirds. Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy defeated Wrestling 1 and 2. And in the finals, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts defeated the Assassins. And the Freebirds, the three of them, would be the Georgia Tag Team Champions. And it was then that they invoked the Freebird rule that any two members of the three-man team can defend the Tag Team Championship. Forty years ago, that rule was invoked, and it's still being used today. Use it with the New Day. Yeah. They used it with the Jersey Triad. And shame on you if you don't know who that is. Look that yeah. up. Yeah. Shame the F on you. Yes. Uh, they used it with the NWO. They used it with everybody that had another member. They were like, yeah, it's the Freebird rule. I remember hearing that the first time, actually, with the Jersey Triad, that I remember. Yeah. That I remember. Dan, they even used it with Layla and Michelle McCool That's when right. they both were the world with the WWE Women's Champions. That's true. I forgot about that. That's the. I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that was the first time they used that for a singles championship. It is the first time. That's amazing. Yeah, the Freebird rule. I was just thinking about the Freebirds the other day. Uh, not to go off, just a quick aside. Where um, they tell that story about getting shot at. <laughs> 
at yeah. the Hall of Fame, and they're scared to death, and they're behind the vehicle breathing. They look over at Terry, and he's laughing. What? What's so goddamn funny? <laughs> they missed. <laughs> he's getting shot at, laughing his head. That was Terry Gordy, man. There's a free bird rule for you. Yeah. <laughs> you shoot the free bird, you better miss, dude. <laughs> Uh, the free bird rule. Yeah, the, yeah. the uh, they that was the main. The free bird rule was they use it every now and then for the new day. We don't want to talk mm-hmm. about that. They yeah. just get mad. Uh, but they used it as a main plot for the Jersey Triad because yeah. now that I've told you to do research, it's DDP, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Canyon. Yeah. Uh, and again, shame on you if you don't know that. Not uh, to me gaslighting or or gatekeeping. The hell, the shame on you. Um, that every week because they come out, you wouldn't know, and they'd be like, "Well, yeah. Freebird rule today," or just telling me like Freebird rule. Who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know, if DDP felt like wrestling or not, he would do the Freebird rule. That's amazing. Yeah. Forty yeah. years, jeez. Forty years ago, this I didn't realize week. it was that old yeah. into their yeah. thing. Yeah, and this was the first. It wasn't the first tag team title for the Freebird. But it was the first time that uh, they had a title with Buddy Roberts. Right. And because this was Georgia, the Georgia Tag Team Champions, and this was the infancy of TBS, the Superstation. Cable TV was about to break worldwide, and but still TBS was seen in more, uh, br- uh, more outlets among the South and the, and the Northeast than any other uh, – expected any other syndicated show so the freebird this was their first national exposure and with the, the georgia tag team championship and the uh the three men freebirds this was their first title and this was the beginning of their domination their influence in the tag team scene because when tbs did take off and your freebirds were your tag team champions they were seen everywhere and it was after you know they broke up Michael Hayes became heel. Terry Gordy stayed. Uh, Michael, I'm sorry, Michael Hayes became a face. Terry Gordy heel. Buddy Roberts left the territory. They both won the tag team title with other people. Michael Hayes did, and Terry Gordy actually won the Georgia tag team title with Jimmy Snuka. Um, they reunited in the Southeastern Conference, Southeastern Championship Wrestling. They came back to Georgia as faces. And they joined Buddy Roberts, and by then, 1982, cable TV was going crazy, and the Freebirds were, you know, one of the most popular teams, influential tag teams in all of wrestling. And it was because of their exposure on national TV, being Georgia tag team champions, they ruled there for two years, uh, and they're because their show TBS was being shown in other parts of the country now. That's when Fritz von Erich said, hey, these guys are pretty hot. They're young, three-man team. I've got a young three-man team. <laughs> Why don't we get these guys together? One phone call to Gary Hart later, and the Freebirds were on their way. And the goddamn rest is history with that, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Man. Yep. And like you said, just to reach into that for the mm-hmm. you talk about. Numbers. Everyone wants to talk yeah. about numbers. All I can still see is slamming the door. Yep. Yeah, and it's still the most most repeated imitated yeah. spot in wrestling history. Yep. But again, started with the Freebirds, Christmas Day, nineteen eighty two. 
I know Michael P.S. Hayes, uh, rightfully so, in my opinion, gets a lot of slack for uh, his mouth mm-hmm. backstage. A couple of reasons why he's been, you know, sent home a few times. Like, why don't you go home for a little while? <laughs> uh, Freebirds were uh, wrestling geniuses. Yeah. There's no other way of putting it. No. And I like when I said last on last week's edition, I put them and the Road Warriors and the Fabulous Ones to a lesser extent as the most influential tag teams of all time. But what the Freebirds did, um, it still resonates again 40 years later. There's not going to be another Road Warriors, but there's going to be plenty of teams, three man groups, because of the Freebirds. You mentioned the New Day, you also the Shield, the Wyatt family, the Hurt Business now. Three-man teams are what make if it's almost like you can't have a wrestling organization if you don't have a three-man stable. It all started with the Freebirds, and it started with their first title win 40 years ago. 40 years ago this week. In the I'm Army not even 40. That makes me feel good about <laughs> something for once. <laughs> that was that was that. Uh, another big title changed hands October 12th. Dan, 1992, in that wrestling hotbed of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Somebody lives in Saskatoon, goddammit. Yes, somebody does. And uh, (laughs) it was packed that night uh, because... Nobody lives there. (laughs) Sorry, Saskatoon. No, well, that's okay, Saskatoon. Well, the hearts were in, uh, in the attendance that night because that was the night that Bret Hart defeated Ric Flair to win his first WWF Heavyweight Championship. Wow. Wow. Yep. 1992. I just finished up uh, WWE Network chronology in 91, so I just need Mm -hmm. to add 92 to the list. So we're going to get into the – we're going to start getting into stuff where – 92 is where I start remembering more. There's a few things in 91 I'm like, oh, yeah, but now it's (laughs) – Except for, uh, conveniently, just a quick aside again, my brain forgot Battle Bowl on purpose, I think. Good. Because, holy Jesus Christ. Whew. Yeah, bad. But uh, October 12, 1992, Bret Hart, um, long um, considered by many uh, critics, and especially fans alike to be the best wrestler in the company, even during the uh, the dying days of Hulkamania, uh, even when he was ensconced in the tag team with uh, Jim Neidhart, the Hart Foundation, uh, ask any wrestling fan who was the best wrestler in the company, they would say Bret Hart. Yeah, um, you could not, you couldn't take away anything. You you couldn't miss how good he was. Um, in the in the late 80s going into um the uh the early 90s and uh him breaking away turning face at wrestlemania 4 and staying face and winning the intercontinental championship from mr perfect in a great SummerSlam match that kind of cemented him as being the best wrestler in the company because back then the Intercontinental title was considered the, the working man's title. Who was the best wrestler? They got to be Intercontinental title, Intercontinental champion. So that was an indicator that Bret Hart could be on his way. Uh, Harry just wanted to point out that the best thing that happened in 91, which is debatable, is his birth. Okay. 
Um, just, thank you, great one for just relaying me. just relaying the unfortunate message. Okay, in '91, <laughs> I'll have to research the year of 1991 to see where that greatness occurred. But uh, um, the greatness that did occur uh, on the, in 1992, October 12th, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, was Owen and uh, I'm sorry, no, Owen, um, Stu and Martha Hart in attendance. Bret Hart won his first WWE championship, his first world title, and uh, she meant his legacy. Um, and again, the, the, the rest is uh, is history. Taken out by a kick to the face. <laughs> Just what a, okay, anyway. Yeah, and, and um, had he not, I don't know how much longer, uh, obviously Brett would have gone a lot longer than he had, but I don't know how much longer he, he would have. Um, that, that kick to the face, that errant kick to the face um, by Mr. Goldberg uh, ended his career. Um, I, the only trepidation I have is that he might have had a chance to go back to the WWE and still wrestle um, before he called it quits, because I'm, I'm sure that's what he wanted to do. I, I do think he would have known when to bow out in time. Yeah, because that would have that whole thing about you know integrity of the business and the history and the tradition. He would have been like, right. although looking at it, I'm like, well, maybe not because the tradition and history is to stay too long. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I thought his return under the circumstances when it did happen mm-hmm. was fine. I yeah. I don't know why people view the Vince, the ass kicking Vince got as a bad, like it's one of the worst things that we've ever seen. It was a make good. He took his receipt. Yeah. <laughs> Vince years later got his receipt cash. What's the problem? Yeah. And Vince has got and Vince has gotten his receipt from a couple of people from <laughs> Brett, from from Hulk, from Hulk, from CM Punk. So. He's, he's a, I know it's not enough for some folks, you know, because they well, don't see, you know. Yeah. Uh, which Goldberg was Goldberg again? Did he fail as a mother? Uh, Beverly. Probably. I, I don't know. Harry, nobody knows what you're talking about. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead, boss. Take your show back over. Uh, October 13th. Uh, October 13th, Dan, is a date we'll call Tag Team Turmoil. Oh, boy. Because this is what happened on this date. I had to put on my old man glasses for this one. Uh, <laughs> October 13th, 1981, Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito defeated Bubba Ray Dudley's favorite tag team of Tony Gurria and Rick Martel for the WWF Tag Team Championship. They did it when Rick Martel came off the top row for a flying body press, and he was greeted with a face full of salt by Mr. Fuji. God damn the, it, Mr. Fuji. The slow motion capture on this, Dan, on Saturday afternoon TV was flawless because he saw Rick Martel in flight, and then you saw his face just completely covered in salt thrown by Mr. Fuji. So Hold that, hold that thought for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry... I don't watch the Goldbergs. I knew what you meant. I haven't one watched one episode. You know how picky I am about TV. Uh, sh- shut up, or I'll have a Twitter account unblock you. Go ahead. That was 1981. 1985, 
Ivan and Nikita Koloff regained the, w, the NWA Tag Team Championship from the Rock and Roll Express, starting their second reign as NWA Tag Team Champions. October 13th, 1992, Ooh. Money Incorporated, Ted DiBiase and Mike Rotundo, defeated the Natural Disasters, Earthquake and Typhoon, to start their second reign as WWF Tag Team Champions. And if that wasn't enough, and by God, don't you think it ought to be, it ought to be. on that same date, October 13th, 1997, the Steiners defeated Scott Hall and Six, substituting for Kevin Nash to win their fifth WCW Tag Team Championship on an episode of Monday Nitro. And if you're scoring at home, that Monday Nitro did a 3.8, and the Raw that night did a 2.3. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, so all those tag team titles all changed hands on the same date, October 13th. Uh, which brings us to today. Uh, the only thing uh, of significance that happened is came up in my memories. Um, it's, I believe it was 11 years. We lost one of the greatest managers, uh, one of the greatest characters, and one of the most colorful human beings to ever walk the planet Earth. Uh, 11 years ago today, we said goodbye to Captain, my Captain, Lou Albano. Uh, Mario. Yes. The first Mario before uh, Bob Hoskins. Before Bob Hoskins. And there was Lou Albano. Yeah. You don't know the story about John Leguizamo? Uh, John Leguizamo, who played uh, Luigi in the Mario Brothers movie, uh, turned down the Antonio Banderas role in Philadelphia in order to do Super Mario Brothers. One of his many, one of his many regrets, he says. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. yeah. He said, I have an opportunity to work with Bob Hoskins and Raul Julia. Sign me up. But yeah, he turned down the uh, Antonio Banderas role in Philadelphia, the role that would eventually make Antonio Banderas a star to do Super Mario Brothers. And I don't know, he was also Armand. Yeah. And remember my name, <laughs> Armand. But uh, Lou Albano, uh, one of the greats, um, he was my first manager, my first heel manager that I remember booing and actively hating on my TV every week because every week he had a new tag team. He, he led 15, 15 tag teams to world wrestling Federation gold. First ones being King Curtis and Baron Mikhail Sakluna. Last ones being the sheep herders. Wow. No, no, I'm sorry. No, the, the head shrinkers. I'm sorry. Some of these dumb names in the WWF head shrinkers. <laughs> Uh, uh, Samu and Fatu with Alpha. <laughs> but he also managed Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. Um, he, he also managed uh, Don Morocco to an Intercontinental title win. Uh, and also and uh, Greg Valentine. And uh, his only world championship, his only world championship, and, and what a world championship. If you're going to have one world champion, in your entire career, after 15 tag team titles, you're one world champion, 
with Ivan Koloff, who the only man to ever defeat Bruno Sammartino in Madison Square Garden. But yeah, but uh, Lou Albano, uh, great talk. And talking to him, he was one half of the tag team. I don't know if I told you uh, Lou Albano's wrestling career. He was one half of the tag team known as the Sicilians with the late, great Tony Altimore. And the Sicilians, as a gimmick, they would come to, they had the white silk scarf. They come to the ring with black jackets, white silk scarf, pencil thin mustaches, and the hats. Obvious heels. And they were so over, Dan. It's a goddamn racist, man. <laughs> but it, it, it had worked so well, Dan, that not only did the fans hate them because they thought they were gangsters, actual Sicilians came up to them and said, hey, you guys need to tone that down. <laughs> okay? That's how over they were. He said, you're giving us actual mobsters a bad name, so you need to cut it out. Listen to me, you son of a bitch. If you don't knock it off, I'm going to go to kill you. <laughs> and, because, and, and Lou, and de- depending on who you ask, he talked to several uh, uh, legitimate businessmen, uh, Italian mob types, about the Sicilians. And the, the, according to Lou, some gave their blessing, some didn't. But either way, the Sicilians were done. Um, and they held a couple of tag team titles. One of them, the WWF United States Tag Team Champions, the precursor to the actual WWF Tag Team title. But um, listen to me, you son of a bitch! I swear to God, I'm gonna come into your house and I'm gonna blow it up if you don't uh, knock it off. <laughs> Jesus but, uh, Christ! Yeah. <laughs> Dude. And and back then, Dan, they couldn't tell them that it was a work or that you know because they thought these you know. <laughs> Because they you were can't champions. Let them know. Yeah. That, you know, Renata. But uh, when the Sicilian gimmicks went down, uh, he was talked into being a manager because he always had a great mouth. He was one of the great talkers. But he was talked into being a manager and suggested being a manager by, of all people, Bruno San Martino. It was Bruno who suggested that Lou Albano get into managing. Wow, really? And uh, yeah, that when um, Lou Albano's career, it wasn't over, but it wasn't, you know, going anywhere quick. And one of his friends or one of his contemporaries suggested he go into managing because this guy said he's always, you've always been a good talker. Why don't you become a manager? And that man was Bruno Sammartino. <laughs> out, of, out of all the people. There was Bruno Sammartino that talked Lou Albano into being a manager, and Lou Albano went on to be one of the greatest managers in WWFE history. No one is ever going to manage world, more world tag team champions than Lou Albano. The Blackjacks, the Lumberjacks, the Valiant Brothers, um, like Mr. Fuji and, and um, Professor Tanaka, Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito, Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. Uh, like I said, the um, the head shrinkers. Uh, the man was just a, a complete omnipresent part of the WWF from the 70s into the 80s. Even on the biggest stage of all, when rock and wrestling first happened, it was Lou Albano. He's you with Cindy Lauper that gave wrestling and the WWF in particular, the national stage. 
And it was him in that Girls Just Want to Have Fun video that brought him a brand new audience. So between wrestling, MTV, and then the Mario Brothers franchise, Lou Albano touched more lives than he ever did. No one will ever have the success that Lou Albano had in tag team wrestling as a manager. No one is ever going to have 15 world tag team champions in any organization. No one will be as colorful as Lou, will have the kind of heat that Lou had. I'd even mention the stabbings that he had or the chairs that were broken over his head uh, during his career because of the amount of heat that he had. Uh, the guy was amazing. The Jimmy Snuka, uh, Ray Stevens, Buddy Rogers war was because of Lou. Turning Jimmy Snuka face was because of Lou Albano. Uh, sad we had to say goodbye to him. I can't believe it's already been 11 years, but thank you, Captain, my Captain. Fare thee well, the great Louis Albano. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the wrestling historian. And you can follow me if you like more of that stuff and my new haircut on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Follow me on Twitter and all social media platforms at DanLaw83. Block the great HB. It'll, you'll be better for it. Um, VOCNation.com for all the podcasts or YouTube.com slash DanLaw83. Um, to watch it, VOC Nation Radio Network. Type that into your podcast app on your phone. Uh, Harry's uh, edits always sucked. That's why I took over, and he sucks at everything. And that's where we're going to end the show. For Greg Lacons, I am the above average comedian, ever so slightly. Dan Calchico, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Hey, this is a total package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you know Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are. And we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have cried? Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling with History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app.
Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation radio network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation radio network.